podcast where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we're talking about having a surrendered life, laying down our will and discerning God's, and having a passionate walk with Him. And this week, I'm blessed to have Barbara Rainey with us discussing her new book about surrender, My Heart Ever His, Prayers for Women. Barbara and her husband, Dennis, are co-founders of Family Life and have spoken at Weekend to Remember conferences around the world. They have authored more than two dozen books, including Moments Together for Couples. I have that one, read that one, loved it, and The Art of Parenting. Barbara has written letters to my daughters, among other titles, and has also created otherthinehome.com. Dennis and Barbara have six married children and a growing number of grandchildren. They live near Little Rock, Arkansas. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Oh, thank you, Denise. It's a delight to be here with you. Oh, I am so blessed because I've admired your ministry for really, I don't know, 20, 30 years. <laughs> I don't know how long, but it has been such a joy every time to tune in. So thank you for your faithfulness. Well, thank you. And it's been, it really has been an honor to do what we've done. And we, we are probably more amazed than anybody is um, at what God has done through the years uh, through the ministry of family life and um, because we didn't quit. <laughs> we both often say if, you know, it's amazing what God can do if we don't quit and stop believing him. So, uh, yes. yeah. I think Thank that you. is so key. I mean, even, you know, just even my little ministry and what I do, it's just called to be faithful and consistent and let God do with it what he wants to. Mm-hmm. And so this book mm-hmm. we're discussing today, this book with 40 prayers for women is such an answer, I think, to when we don't have the words to express the aches and sorrows of our hearts. What prompted you to write mm-hmm. this book? Well, Dennis and I went through a um, two and a half year period that was um, much more difficult than we anticipated. It began when we um, handed over the reins of leadership to David and Meg Robbins, who we love and adore and think are the greatest couple. We love them dearly. And it had nothing to do with them or anything at Family Life. It was simply the change that we had to process of of uh, a change in our lives. We were the ones who were experiencing the loss of the relationships with the people we'd worked with for years. Uh, We were experiencing the loss of of our identity as um, being the founders of family life and the leaders through the years. And so we just, we were surprised um, at how much we, uh, how hard that was just to, form a new identity. Well, who are we now, now that we're not leading family life? And we kept asking God, what do you have for us next? We don't really think you're finished with this, but maybe you are. It's obviously up to you. So show us what you have for us. And so during that year, or a couple of years, really, um, of that journey, began writing a lot of what I was thinking and feeling because my thoughts were so jumbled up. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of times, my thoughts just get all jumbled up and I can't make sense out of what I'm thinking and feeling. And um, so I began to write down what it was that I was feeling and I tried to put words to what I was thinking. And I really modeled it much after the Psalms because Dennis and I both read through the Psalms um, every day over and over and over. I probably read two, three, four, five Psalms every day for two years And um, it taught me that process of reading the words of 
caused me a level of honesty and transparency before God than I had ever um, that I had ever expressed. Um, I knew that God accepted me like I was. He loved me like I was. He wasn't um, He wasn't rejecting me. But I think there was something within me that I think is within all of us <clears throat> that feels we need to um, uh, come before God in a certain way that we need to use certain words. And even though we know that's not true, I think we, we still want to do that. And um, I learned from my two years, and I'm still doing it, of reading the Psalms every single day, that there's a rawness and a um, level of transparency in the Psalms that I wasn't practicing myself personally. Mm. And so I began doing that. And that's the result that has now become a book. And I did not have any intention whatsoever of putting these prayers in a book. I was just doing it for myself. I was doing it so that I could um, find the words to express what I was feeling um, before God. Oh, that's so good. And I, I love the book of Psalms. Um, I'm a worship leader as well. And so that is probably one reason. But just like you mm-hmm. said, this and the crying out to God, I think is sometimes difficult to get to that place. And so the scripture for this episode today uh, shares some of that rawness. It's from 1 Samuel 1, 11, And it says, And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. So while this isn't from the Psalms, it's a prayer spoken that to me has Mm -hmm. a lot because there was this beautiful surrender and, and this heart, it just reveals this raw and real suffering. But I love that after she prays, she just trusts in God. I think uh, at times we don't know how to pray when the sky is falling, but those who have gone mm-hmm. before us can show us how to cry out to God and rely on Him. And I feel that is what your book does. It, it takes life's painful moments and puts words to them, helping people to pray at such times. Do you think it is harder to find the words in hard times? And if so, why? Um, I think um, <clears throat> I think yes and no on, on that question, honestly. I think the, the beautiful thing about what God does in hard times is that's when we really see our need for him and he knows it and he's there waiting for us. So I think even though our words sometimes feel um, inadequate, I think sometimes we fumble. I think that's why I wrote so many of my prayers out because I couldn't find the right words. And it's not that I was so uh, um, obsessed with finding uh, and being accurate as much as it was, I was trying to identify what I was feeling. I I was trying to name um, the turmoil that was going on in my heart. And I think the verse you just read from uh, 1 Samuel uh, that was spoken by Hannah, I think she is a very good model for women because she, she just cried to God and she, um, I don't know exactly what she did, but I know she really was um, giving it her all in that prayer. And I think the reason she had peace afterwards is because she knew she was real and transparent with God. And she knew that he saw and he heard and he understood. And I don't know that she knew for sure that God was going to answer her prayer, 
But I think that's what surrender is all about. We come to him and we tell him how we feel. And then we say, not my will, but your will be done. And that's how Jesus taught us to pray. And that's what the Psalms say over and over again is the psalmist come back to after they complain, after they cry, after they express how they feel. In the end, they come back to, but you, God, are worthy. You are the one will follow and love. And so I think surrender comes from, from that place of, um, of crying out to God and then being at peace, knowing that he knows and he will take care of us. Yes. And if we don't resist brokenness, you know, a lot of times we just feel like we have to be all together. But there's such beauty in admitting that we don't. do, you know, just it's it's yours, God. I, I do not have it all together. And that's where we find that place of surrender. So on day three, you talked about interrupted sleep. And I can relate to this. And I think many women listening today would say amen to that. Because, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Because we identify, you know, with it, but not amen because we're happy about it. Right. But they, all the sleepless nights, whether it's caring for those we love or if it's illness, exhaustion, fatigue, they, those things can really be a stumbling block to prayer. And I noticed in your book, you have, uh, after some of the prayers, this almost like a devotion, a little bit of a, a, a talk or discussion about the prayer and on day three, uh, you mentioned having a wandering mind when you can't sleep. Then you said you simply talk with God when you can't sleep. You know, one thing I do when I can't sleep is go and write to God, but then I can stay up all night. So it doesn't exactly get me back to sleep. <laughs> I feel like God's waking me up for a reason, you know, but do you have any suggestions to help people to know how to talk with God when they are tired or sleepless? Well, I think it's a very common um, uh, experience for women. I think women all over the world struggle with sleeplessness. In fact, I got an email um, or a text uh, last week from my daughter-in-law. She said, oh my gosh, this prayer, it speaks to me because this is what I deal with all the time. And I wrote back and I said, Yes, it's, I think it's common to all women. In fact, I thought it was very interesting that in, um, uh, in Corinthians, either first or second, I think it's second Corinthians, Paul listed sleeplessness mm. as one of the trials he endured. And I went, oh, it's even in the Bible. Oh, cool. You know, that God understands that, that that is a trial. It is a struggle that we live with on this broken planet. And that's not always being able to get good, solid sleep. So I wrote, wrote the prayer about sleeplessness because I was experiencing that a lot during those two years. I've experienced it a lot in all the years I've been married. I think it comes with being an adult. It comes with our female wiring to be able to hear things because we need to hear our babies in the middle of the night. And that doesn't go away when our babies grow up. Um, so I just learned in the process of struggling with sleep that God was there and he wanted me to be aware of his presence, even when I was awake in the middle of the night and wishing I could be asleep, but I wasn't. And just to relax in his presence and to know that he sees and he cares and he knows and he loves me and he's going to care for me and get me through this. 
And so I wrote that prayer, not only for myself, but to help other women remember in those sleepless hours, and sometimes we're awake for hours, that God is still with us. He never leaves us and he is present and wants to comfort and guide and and, um, help us through those times. You know, I wonder if you've ever had it, any of these prayers inspired by hot flashes, because I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> that, you know, sometimes the physical can affect the spiritual. And uh, every night I'm waking up with hot flashes. And my poor husband is like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think we can have an image of what yes. it looks like prayer time should look like in our mind and when it is not perfect or we struggle to stay focused we can be discouraged that our prayer life can be hindered then do you have any recommendations to help people break through when their prayers seem to sound like they are the same day after day well i do think writing um our prayers writing our thoughts is really helpful um, it may seem like it takes too much time, and I think that's a part of our struggle with prayer in this culture. Is we are so conditioned for um, we're so conditioned to expect everything to happen instantly. Um, text and uh, everything at the speed of the internet has taught us to be um, impatient, more impatient than we naturally are anyway. So I think writing is a good discipline to to write out some of the thoughts. They don't have to be complete sentences. It doesn't have to be pretty. And nobody's going to see it. You can burn it the next day if you want to. But um, I think it is a way to to help us crystallize um, what we're thinking and feeling and then and then speak it to God or speak it to Him as you write it. Because I think it's a good way to slow down and think about what is really happening. What am I really feeling? And God, what do you want me to do with this? And yes, to hot flashes. I mean, if it's not newborns and babies and children who are sick as they grow up in the middle of the night, then the kids are gone and we then have to deal with hot flashes. So I do think it's a unique um, struggle for most women. And I, I think it's something that unites us around the world. God, God made us with some of these qualities and they're not all wonderful, but um, therefore his good purposes and his good design. And so I think praying through things like this helps us to rest. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning. It helps us to surrender to him as our loving father who knows what he's doing, who made us the way he did for a reason. And we can trust him in that. That's wonderful. I think, too, uh, just knowing that when we cry out, like you said, just continue to pray through it. The Holy Spirit can give us the words when we really don't have them. So the battle with fatigue is a real one. Mm -hmm. I noticed it was present in several of your prayers. And I have several autoimmune diseases. (laughs) I've had my own battles with fatigue. What is beautiful about your handling of fatigue is you don't run from it. You're candid and honest about it and bring it to God. This is such a picture of what it means to pray to God. God invites us to relationship, not perfect sounding prayers, but honest ones. But another stumbling block, Mm -hmm. especially when we are tired and not feeling that well, is our emotions. How do you recommend women overcome their emotions and press in to pray? I think, honestly, Denise, it's the same thing, the same answer. I think it's recognizing that that the emotions that we have are 
are okay. They're good. And God is an emotional being. When Dennis and I wrote the, um, the book that you mentioned, The Art of Parenting, I sat down with my Bible and I started looking through every emotion that God expresses. And I made a list. And honestly, God, God expressed about himself almost every emotion that I could think of. He says that he's sad, he cries, he laughs, he mourns, he grieves. Um, God gets angry. I mean, there are so many emotions that we experience that God also possesses. He said he made us in his image. So I think it's realizing that our emotions are not bad in in and of themselves. It's how we express them that gets us into trouble. And it's the same with children. I mean, that's the essence of parenting is teaching them how God has made them and then helping them understand that their emotions are okay. They're good. But it's how we express them that makes the difference. And and I think as adults, we're still processing who we are. I'm still processing who I am and who God made me to be and how he wants to use me. And I think it helps, it helps me and it might help others too, to, to remember that we are children. I am God's child. And just as I was delighted in my children when they would bring me a, a scribbled piece of paper and they were so proud of their drawing and I loved it and I taped it to the refrigerator. God does that with us too. We bring him things that probably are not that beautiful. They're probably not that lovely, but he loves us. And because he loves us, he, he accepts what we do and what we offer him, even if it is childish in many, many ways. And so identifying our emotions and learning that they are good and that God has given us our emotions is a part of growing up as a believer. It's a part of becoming the person God created us to be. And that doesn't just happen in 18 years. It actually takes a whole lifetime. Mm. Um, so I think no matter what your age we're all still in the process of growing up and becoming the person that God meant us to be. And that includes knowing our emotions. That's beautiful. And I think too, just being okay, you know, being okay with who we are. That's a a Mm -hmm. great truth that you shared there. So let's talk about how busyness can prevent prayer. And this one I am definitely guilty of, you know, even the good type of busyness, how does prayer fit into your busy life? Well, I'm busy too. And in fact, my kids would say I'm too busy, that I've got too much going on. And they're right. I mean, we we are too busy a lot of the time. But um, I think it's one of the things that has helped me is just being aware more and more as I um, meditate on it and think about it and remind myself that God is with me everywhere I go. And Sometimes I'll be driving down the road and I'll go, oh, you're with me. You're with me right here in this car. You're with me in this seat. You're around me in the car. You're ahead of me where I'm going. And I just marvel at the truth that his presence is always with me. And it's very easy to forget. And I forget it a lot. So I don't want anybody to think that I have that mastered because I don't. But I'm trying to... Um, remember more often. I I often ask God in the morning, help me remember your presence. Help me be aware that you're with me all the time because it is so easy to forget. And busyness is a thief of sorts in taking our eyes off of Jesus and putting it on our to-do list and our activities and all the things we have to do. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody else. I do think acknowledging that to him 
<clears throat> and asking him to help me keep my eyes on him is, is a really important, it's just a very important prayer that I pray frequently um, in my life because I know that that's the answer to so much of what I, what I deal with day in and day out is who am I looking to and where is my focus? Is it on God in his presence with me or am I looking to myself to solve my, my dilemmas and get through the day and all of that silly busyness? It's funny that you talk, should talk about God with us in his presence, because I literally pulled that out of your prayer book this morning, uh, out of your prayer book this morning and read it on a Facebook live worship time I did this morning, uh, because it is like a mm. practicing of the presence of God. You know, um, we can take that. It granted, is. But saying, OK, God, right now you're with me. And I think part of what helps me in that is being in his word daily and and then applying that to my life. And even in the Bible reading plan, I'm doing um, a Facebook live on it every day, just from my time on a Bible reading plan I'm doing. And every day I feel like I come to the same conclusion, God with us, he's with us. And mm -hmm. to really apply that in our life, it just all the distractions, all the busyness, the fatigue, everything. It just it just fades away when we just gaze on him and just look at him and he's right there. And so I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you for being here with us today, Barbara. Thank you, Denise. Well, y'all, we have just barely scratched the surface and we will dive deeper into Barbara's book next week. You can find out more about Barbara on her website, www.evervinehome.com. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a free copy of Barbara's book. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep podcast where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems.